You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, that you may be able to stand against the attacks, the strategies, the the things that the enemy places in front of us. And he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can we lay our Bibles down and let's ask God's word to have his way tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that is so abundant in this place today and upon us. And I ask right now that your word would have authority in our life and in our heart and in our soul. Speak into our mind, speak into our spirit, and let somebody be changed in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we worship him one more time? Lord, I exalt you. I declare your glory in this house. I lift you up tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord tonight. We are talking about Pentecostal poisons. Pentecostal poisons. Last week we spoke about Pentecostal poisons, and the first poison that we shared was that of offenses and how the enemy can come against us by causing division. We can, we can uh, have division among us and we can carry offenses in our heart, those grudges, those offenses literally become poisons for our life. So why are you talking, Pastor, about poisons? Because what we experienced this morning, what we have experienced here, what we are feeling in the moving of the Lord is the work of Pentecost. How many are thankful for Pentecost? We identify tonight as Pentecostals because of the fulfillment of the Old Testament feast of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter number 2 where the Spirit of God was poured out upon all flesh. I am not interested in just going to church. I'm not interested in mere religion. Amen. But when the presence of an almighty God is there among us, amen, that's what we're looking for tonight. And so we're Pentecostal. I thoroughly enjoyed today the testimonies of Brother Robinette and how he shared the mighty testimonies that God is doing all around the world. I uh, uh, testify to these. I've seen the videos. I have uh, witnessed, amen, not only with my own eye, but through relationships and phone calls and communication, some powerful, powerful things that are taking place. The good uh, uh, man of God, one of our missionaries, a friend of mine by the name of Lonnie Burton Jr. is down in Venezuela. And I think it was last week or two weeks ago, He tweeted out uh, the stats on the revivals that took place. I can't remember. I wish I had it right now. I retweeted it. You can find it on Twitter somewhere. But he tweeted about how many 
camp meetings took place in the last few weeks and how many people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was an astonishing number. How many were in attendance? I want to say it was around 30 camp meetings. The average attendance was over, uh, um, how, how many was it there? Well, it was over 100,000 cumulative that were together worshiping the Lord, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is happening in a nation, Venezuela, that is literally uh, in all kinds of chaos and other turmoil. And I just think it's ironic. Isn't it just like God? To go into the places in the world that are in total chaos. And God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Brother, Brother Burton, that's just one place. And so you heard so many other things. And can I tell you, for everything that you're hearing, there are things that you are not hearing about. Folks, for every testimony that you hear about, you know how many testimonies are taking place? Amen. The prophet thought he was all by himself, and God said, no, you think you're by yourself. There's 7,000 that nobody knows of. Amen. I, I, I wonder if we just added that up exponentially for every missionary report, what if there were 7,000 more reports? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's alive in this last day. And God is doing a tremendous, tremendous work. We thank God for that. And so we celebrate that. We are, we are Pentecostal. And we identify as such because, amen, it's not some form of religion. It's not some organization. But because we are seeking to be people that are not just religious in our practice and following traditions, but people that are touched by the move of the Spirit of the Lord. But there are things that can destroy and there are things that can take away from the moving of the Spirit of the Lord. There are poisons, poisons, poisons that can harm us, poisons that can destroy us. And, and so we want to warn against this. The Bible warns against this. So last week, we, we spoke on one. Tonight, we're going to talk on a couple, if we can. And the second poison that we're going to look at tonight, the second deadly poison that Pentecostal poison that can destroy revival in our life and in our midst is the poison of, and, and, and I've, I've labeled it just unrighteousness, unrighteousness. So if you're taking notes, the second poison that I want to highlight to you tonight is the poison of unrighteousness or unholiness or ungodliness. Ungodliness, if we're not careful, can make its way into the church. They say, well, how is that possible? It's possible because people are human. People are human. Is there anybody here that never has to clean your house? Just never? Just, it's automatic? It's always clean? Just, not is there anybody that never does clean your house? That, that's, a, that's a different question. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying you never have to clean your house. No, there's nobody in here. Because I don't know about you, but there's like, there's a dust factory you know what I'm talking about? You don't clean your house, but all of a sudden you let it go and there's going to be dust and there's going to be filth and there's going to be stuff that's going to happen. You have to clean that. If we're not careful, amen, uncleanness can make its way into the church. That's why every service, every week, especially on Sunday night when we gather in, we have a time of prayer. That is not just accidental, folks. We are not just filling the gap 
from choir practice to church service. That is not just a time fill. That is intentional so that we can come in in one mind and one accord and we can examine our hearts before the Lord. That we can bring ourselves back in tune before the Lord. We've got to tune up, get back in tune before the Lord. And then when we gather down front, we don't start off by telling God what we came for, what we need. We start off by worshiping Him. We start off after we prepared ourselves by giving Him authority and giving Him license in our life. And only after we've hit that point of praise and worship and exaltation, then do we bring our petitions to Him and say, Oh God, by the way, I need healing in my body and I, I need you to come in and work in my life. But we are intentional when we come down and we ask God to cleanse our life. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10 and verse 1 says this, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Here's what I'm preaching tonight. You've got to be careful what you allow in your heart and in your mind. You may not return back to the state that you once were before the Lord got a hold of you, before God uh, changed your life and redeemed you, but a dead fly that falls in, amen, to the, the, the candle, that falls into the scent, that falls into the apothecary, he said that one dead fly can change the whole savor, the whole smell, can be rotten by that one dead fly. And he says, so doth a little folly... Him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. I want to tell you there's a promise in the word that says this. He that the Son hath set free is free indeed. It is a lie from the pit of hell that tells you that you've been set free from God in every area, but 10% you still got bondage in your life. I'm here to tell you I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. And just as God's healing can be complete, so can His victory over sin, over temptation, over ungodliness. Oh, hallelujah. Can I get a witness in the house tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So we're preaching, amen. God wants to make us clean. God wants to wash us. Now, that doesn't mean, amen, that we don't have to look at this every single day. Paul said, I die daily. So sometimes you've got to go through life. You've got to go every day. And you've got to take it back to the Lord and say, God, here I am. Uh, uh, it was Sunday last night. And, uh, but now it's Monday, and I know you gave me victory yesterday, but God, I need victory today. If you are uh, uh, that weak, amen, it's not because you're a bad person, it's because you're human. All right? And if you think you can make it without God's help one day, you're making a mistake. So, so don't, don't make the confusion. We can confuse it by saying, well, well I'm going to go to the Lord every day and pray for repentance, Paul didn't say, I sin daily. He said, I die daily. I believe he that the Son hath set free is free indeed. God wants to give us victory over sin once and for all. So when you've repented of your sins, when you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and obedience to the Word of God, and you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, 
The Holy Ghost is not just so you can feel goosebumps. Now, thank God that it makes us feel wonderful. But the power of the Holy Ghost, amen, is so that we can be an overcomer every day. I can stand up every day and know that I'm going to have victory in my flesh, not through my flesh, but through the power of the Spirit of the Lord that's in my life. So God gives me victory in the Holy Ghost every day. Hallelujah. And so we, we have to be careful because here the wise men said that a little folly can spoil. A little sin can spoil. Now, I don't care if, if, if you've lived for God for 80 years, 90 years, 100 years you still have to come to an altar of repentance. You still have to prepare your heart before the Lord. You still have to say, God, I need your help, and I need forgiveness, I need grace in my life, but I do believe that God can give you victory over sin. Absolute in your life. So that means that with care, I ought to take care that a little thing doesn't enter into my house that doesn't need to be rid of things. Um. Have you ever had a small animal crawl up under your house or crawl into your car and die? If you haven't, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have, you know that smell. And you can clean the house. You can light every candle that you can get your hands on. You can put every glade and every plug-in all throughout the house. And if that don't kill you, when all that's over, it's still going to be there you got to find it, and you got to remove the stench. And then you find it, and you say, man, this thing's so little. This thing's so little. But yet it lets off such a horrible smell in your life. I want you, if you, we won't go there, but let's, let's look at Joshua chapter number 7. We don't have to turn there, but this is the reference we're going to give. In Joshua chapter number 7, there is a powerful story about the children of Israel who God has brought out of Egypt. He's part of the Red Sea. He has brought them through the wilderness 40 years, and now Moses passes away. Joshua is leading him, and again, God's power is on display when the feet of the priest who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the company of the children of Israel, when their feet hit the Jordan River, the Bible says that the rivers parted. And they marched across. And when they came across the Jordan River, there was Jericho. A city that was fortress so great that uh, 40 years ago they said, they're, we're just grasshoppers, they're giants. They, they, their walls were so thick that, that some would claim they had chariot races on them. There was this massive ability, this wealth, all of this stuff. And the children of Israel, through obedience to the Word of God, not because of their talent, not because of their intellect, but through obedience to the Word of God. On the seventh day, the seventh time marching around, the Bible says that they let out a shout of praise. And when they shouted to the Lord, the walls came down. God literally pushed the walls down. And they went into that city and they had a great victory over their enemies and over the people that were mocking the things of God. I want you to notice this, that it was their obedience to God and their worship combined. 
Don't be obeying God and sit on God and be silent and not give Him the glory. And don't come in and try to worship God without having obedience to back it up. But if you can match your obedience to God with a boldness in praise, God can bring the walls down in your life. He brought those walls down. When those walls came down, God gave them specific instructions because He knew the weakness of their flesh. And so the Lord told them, the Lord told them, when you go there, you are not to take anything from among the the people of Jericho. Don't take anything. And the Bible says when they came there that they took silver and gold and they took the garments. They took the Babylonian garment, if you will, the garments of the Assyrians there. And, and Achan, his name was, took the silver and the gold. God said, don't take anything from among them, and they did it. Brother Kendall, come help me out. You're always easy to pick on. Come help me out. I want you to go find some silver and some gold in the congregation. Now, God has commanded not to take any silver or gold. And then I want you to find you a nice coat, a nice fancy worldly coat. I don't know. It's not whatever you pick. It's not going to be bad. But you got to find something and you got to take it. Here he is. He's gathering things. Now God said, don't take it. Don't touch the stuff. It's not worth it. It's not worth your life. God had already promised to them that he was going to give them everything that they needed. God had already proven, listen to this, God had already proven He could supply their every need. All right? You getting any gold here? Look at that. He's getting these fancy garments. You got some silver? You got some gold? That's copper. Well, maybe that's some white gold. Man, you got some rings here. Bless the Lord. You really did good. All right. Hallelujah. So here he is. Look at him. Go ahead. Put that, put that garment on. Here. Let's. <laughs> got this. I don't, I don't know if that fits you. Somebody killed a cougar here. These are the things. These are the things. How foolish does he look? Hold your little silver wand up there. How crazy is this? Listen to this. God brought Israel out of Egypt. And for 40 years, they never wanted for food. And for 40 years, they never wanted for shoes. And for 40 years, they never wanted for garments. And God said, I'm going to give you everything you need. And then he prophesied, I'm going to give you the stuff you don't have. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. And those houses are going to be fully furnished. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. And those vineyards are going to be ready to harvest. God said, I'm going to give you everything. But don't take from this world. And what did Achan do? He in direct defiance to the word and the command of God. The Bible says that Achan went. He got, it's just a little gold. It was just a little silver. It was just a garment from Babylon. Nobody knew. And he took it back to his tent and he hid it. Hide it. Hide it somewhere. Go to your tent and hide that. I don't know where you're going to hide it. But just go sit over there on the chair. Maybe you can hide it wherever you want to hide it there. And he took it back and he hid it. I want you to note that what Achan took, 
he did not need. Hear me. What Achan took, he did not need. And the Bible says the next day they go out to victory. Come on up here. You're my Caleb. And Joshua's out here. And we were out at Ai. Now we're fighting at Ai. And the armies of God are there. Ai is little. They're nothing. They are nobody. They have no resources. Their army doesn't even compare to Jericho. And look at what God just did in Jericho. And when they were out there at Ai, the Bible says that they lost the battle. Joshua said, look, we don't even have to send the A-team. We don't even have to send everybody. We don't even have to get everybody messed because God can do this with just a little bit. Joshua's faith was right. But the Bible says that the defeat was so bad at Ai that when Joshua walked away, Joshua knew we should not have lost that battle. And the only way that we could lose that battle is if God is not on our side. Hear me, somebody. I'm trying to preach revelation. When God is on your side, there is no battle that you will lose. When the Lord is on your side, you're going to win every battle. And so if you're not winning the battles, then that means that God's not on your side. That means something going on. And Joshua said, okay, if God, we should have won that. There's no reason why we should have lost. So if we lost that battle, it means the Lord's not on our side. And if God's not on our side, it's because there's sin in the camp. And somebody has disobeyed the voice of the Lord. Joshua knew that. That was his revelation. I'm going to tell you, that is a good measure for you and I to put in our life and to put in our heart. If we're not getting the victory, then God's not on my side. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. The problem's not with God. The problem's not with God's resources. His word is true. His promises are yea and amen. But I need to re-examine my heart and my life. So check your heart. Check yourself here and say, okay, hey, is, is, is this me? What's going on? What's in my life? So Joshua began to examine it. And would you know, he found over hidden among Achan's tent. There it was. There was the stuff. And he called it out. And Achan brought out all of the stuff. He brought out the silver. And he brought out the gold. And he brought out the Babylonian garments. Can I tell you, sin is never something that you need. He didn't need silver and gold. Why? Because he was marching with the God that could call manna out of heaven. He was marching with the God that could bring walls down in a moment. Can I tell you, sin is a lie from hell that says that you need that. Got to have that in my life. And then he wanted the fashion of this world. He wanted the style of this world. I'm not talking about just in apparel. But he was lusting after identifying with the world. Be careful. Why do you want to identify with those that are broken down, messed up, amen, depressed in their life? Why do you want to identify with that? Amen. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm not looking to trade my joy. I'm not looking to trade my peace. I'm not looking to trade the blessings that God has given in my life. And so here it was. He had this stuff. And so Joshua, they had to deal with it. They dealt with it in hard ways. They expelled it. 
they expelled all of that. They had to get sin out of the camp. It was a tragic thing that day. Achan and all the household of that tent died and were burned and consumed in the fire. It was a tragic thing. But you know what God was trying to let us know? It's not worth one little thing. Don't let one little thing get into your heart, get into your soul, and get into your spirit. Why? Because it's a poison that can destroy well, clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. If you believe that, you can return the, you can return the goods. Everybody count. Make sure he gives you back everything he took here. Brother Kendall, you don't need that stuff. I'm just letting you know. You don't need it. Achan fell prey to one of the age-old things, the deceitfulness. The appeal of the flesh. The appeal of the flesh. And he was willing to directly disobey the divine command of the Lord. Disobey. Obedience is probably one of the most critical, one of the most crucial things that you could get right in your life. The, obe the disobedience of Achan affected their warfare. It affected their warfare. It'll affect your warfare, folks. It'll hinder your prayers. It'll affect your praise when you've got sin inside of your heart. It'll affect your life. And here, be careful. Just because your sin is hidden in the camp and you think you're getting away with it for a while. Jericho's victory was complete. Achan brought it back and he thought everything was okay for a while. Just because it's hidden in your life and you think you're going along for a while without it being exposed, don't make the mistake to think that it's God's approval on your life. Jeremiah the prophet proclaimed this in the book of Lamentations. He said, hey, if you're not consumed, it's not because you're all right with God. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies. That we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful, amen, for the truth of God that will love us. He doesn't always smite us out right in that instant, in that moment. But it was the appeal of the flesh. Can I tell you, this is how poison works. Hear me tonight. This is how poison works. In my office... We had, we, had a, we had a little, uh, uh, was it last year, we had a couple mice in the church. Nothing I can't stand more than mice. Give me spiders or snakes any day over mice. I can't stand mice. I don't know what it is about those things. And so I keep, I keep a supply of rat poison in my office there. And over there in the corner, um, it's, not, it's not, it doesn't say rat poison, but that's what it is. You know, the little stuff you go to Lowe's and Walmart or wherever and you pick that up and there it is. And there's some poison over there. Here's how poison works. That rat doesn't walk by and say, man, that stuff stinks. He doesn't walk by and say, man, that stuff's nasty. He doesn't go by and taste it and say, oh, that's the most awful stuff. No, the way it works is it smells good. It tastes good. And, 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 and they're in that rat poison. They put all kinds of good stuff in there. I don't know what's in that stuff, but I promise it, it's not all full of bad stuff. It's probably 98% good stuff. I don't know. They probably got mashed potatoes, roast beef, 
I don't know what mice like, but they got all that carrots. They got good stuff in there, little apple pie flavor. I don't know. It's, it's not the 90% of good stuff that kills you. It's the 2% of strychnine that's going to destroy you. So don't say, hey, just because it feels good in the flesh. Hear me, somebody, tonight. I'm preaching good tonight. I'm preaching to some young people. I'm preaching to some old people. Just because it feels good in the flesh or it tastes good doesn't mean that's what you ought to take off the shelf and take it home. This is what God was saying. Be careful. The appeal of the flesh, it will destroy you. That's how poison works. And so you got to cast it out, out of your life. You say, well, well how do I do this? Well, I'm going to tell you how you do this. Here's how you, 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 you get rid of uncleanness and you get rid of ungodliness and you get rid of unrighteousness. Amen. You live right and you focus on holy living. Amen. Every day I get up, I'm looking, God, help me to live right. Help me to live holy. Help me to be strong in the Lord. Don't let me be weak in the spirit, but let me be right. Go with me, if you will. Let's go to the book of James. I want to show you here how James gives us, amen, he gives us instruction on on how to overcome this. Here it is. Now in James chapter number 4. And if you were here a couple Sunday nights ago, we had uh, Brother Terry Vick, and he uh, demonstrated, quoted the entire book of James for us, and we come to chapter number four. And if you notice, if you're familiar with the book of James, in chapter number four, he is talking about prayers that do not work. And he says, you have not because you ask not. And then he said, when you ask, you ask amiss that you can consume it on your lust. It's all about your lust. It's all about your spirit. But then look at what he says in verse 7. James 4 and 7. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. All right? Is this all right tonight? Submit yourself to God. Well, what does submission look like? I'll tell you what submission looks like. It looks like obedience. I'm going to obey the Lord. Submission says when I don't like it, when it's not what I want to do, when it wasn't my first choice, but God says do this, I'm going to obey the Lord. And God is Lord of my life. Now, folks, we come in and we sing about it all the time. He's the Lord of lords, and He's the King of kings. But it's not just good enough to sing about it. Where the power comes in your praise is when you've lived the life of obedience that He is the Lord of lords, and He is the King of kings in my life, and He has authority in my life. So I submit myself, therefore, to God. Look what He says. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Folks, we make the devil out to be this big, bad, powerful person that we are, I'm, I'm, what are you doing? I'm praying and fasting that the devil's going to leave me alone. That's not what the Bible says, is it? What does the Bible say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. So get rid of that stuff. 
Some of you say, well, man, I'm trying to resist the Lord, but it's just there. Can I tell you, you may need to go home and get rid of some stuff, amen, in your life. Turn off some things if, you're, if you got bad things that you're seeing, bad things that you're hearing. Oh, nobody's going to help me preach. Bad things that are messing you up, amen. Don't keep setting those idols up on the shelf and then thinking you're going to be strong enough to walk by and not worship them. No, resist the devil. The Bible says in another place, give no place to the devil. I I don't even want the devil to have a threshold in my home. Amen. So I'm going to resist the devil. And if I resist the devil, folks, you don't have to go on a seven-day fast to pray that the devil leaves you. I'm helping somebody tonight. Say, well, the devil just won't get off my back. Well, what are you doing? What, what are you, how are you enticing him? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then look at what he says in verse 8. Here it is. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Hallelujah. When you draw nigh to God, it's like, man, he's going as fast. He's going exponentially faster than you. You think you're approaching God? No, God is already at the door. He's standing at the door, and he's knocking. But when you draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to you. There is a closure. There is a coming together there. And then he says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I, I, I know when I grew up as a kid, my mom would tell me, Andrew, you're, you're getting a bath whether you need it or not, every day. And I hope you practice that in your life too. That's not in my notes, but I'll just throw that in there extra. You, 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 uh, all the parents said amen to all the kiddos. You're in the bath whether you need it or not every day because you need it. Spiritually in your life, you need it every day. You cleanse your hands. You purify your heart every single day. And when you do that, amen, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to have to be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. I don't live in fear. I don't go to bed at night and say, oh, God, I hope I didn't pick up some silver and gold and Babylonian garment. I hope I'm not hiding that in my heart. No, you know when you have that in your heart. You say, God, David said, search me and see if there be any wicked thing in me. Here I am. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? No, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. I, I, I need help, and sometimes it takes a while before you see things. Sometimes it takes a while. I'm not talking about that, but what I'm talking about, sin that will destroy, sin that will affect your warfare, sin that will get inside of your heart and mess you up. Amen. When you pray every day and say, God, whatever it is, I'm giving it to you, Lord. Here it is. You know what? When I pray that prayer, I pray it in the morning. I pray it in the night. I, you know what? God's got, God's got it. He's taking care of it. If there's more, he's going to let me know because I've never seen anybody saying, God, show me what you want me to do that God did not show them what he wanted them to do. And I lay my head on that pillow and I sleep as good as I can because I'm not afraid or worried about the sin that is in my heart. Is this all right tonight? Confidence. We need confidence in the Holy Ghost. Let's go on. Here we go. And let's go to Philippians chapter number four. Verses 8 and 9. Philippians chapter number 4, verses 8 and 9. And he says this, Finally, brethren, watch this. Now, we, we've already seen this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Somebody say true. Whatsoever things are honest. Say honest. Whatsoever things are just. 
Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. Okay, so he's given us a powerful list. If there be any virtue, there's got to be virtue. If there be any praise, he says, think on these things. So Paul here is writing to the Philippian church, and he's telling us how we should think. Now, he has gone past what we do. He's gone past what we say. He's gone past what we hear. And now he has entered into the realm of our mind. You know when you've been changed by the power of the Holy Ghost because it won't just change the way you walk and the way you talk. It will change the way you think. And so he's talking now about that power changing the way we think. And he says, think on these things. He's telling us, leverage those good things in our life. And we stop there and we celebrate it and it's right. But I want you to go on and read the next verse and look at what he says. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What's he talking about? He's talking about the things that are pure, those things that are lovely, those things that are true and honest and just and of good report. He says, do and the God of peace shall be with you. There is a connection between what is going on in your mind and in your life and the peace of God. I'm here to tell you that God has peace that passes all understanding. But you know what will poison that peace? Things that are untrue. Things that are dishonest. Things that are not just. Things that are impure. Things that are not lovely. Things that are of a bad report. That's a poison in your life. You need to turn that off. You need to shut that down. You need to silence that and say, uh-uh, I'm not going to let there be any poisons on my peace. Oh, hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so there are poisons that can affect the spirit of the Lord inside of our life. If they'll come to the music. I was hoping to get farther tonight, but that's all right. That's all right. Because I know the Lord gave this to me the other week. He laid it on my heart. I was sitting right there the other Sunday morning and God dropped it in my spirit in complete form right there. I typed it out, began to work on this and study this. And the Lord wanted me to talk about Pentecostal poisons. Folks, I'm telling you, we have experienced, we're experiencing the presence of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord is here. God is working among us and God is working in our midst. But it is just like the enemy to come along and place landmines in the fields before us. Because what greater time for the enemy to work than when revival begins to take place in your heart and revival begins to take place in your life. I believe with all of my heart that there's a great revival coming to the Metro East. I don't believe we've even begun to see it. I don't know how it's going to manifest. I don't know how it's going to materialize. I got ideas and concepts, but then I articulate them and I say them. And sometimes even that doesn't seem enough. I don't know, but I know that in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so in the midst of this time, the enemy is going to seek 
to lay out things that can poison you and poison your heart and poison your spirit and poison your mind and poison your soul. We don't have to walk around afraid. We don't have to walk around in fear. Stand together with me tonight. We can rest assured in our life. I trust the Spirit of the Lord. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. And come in and say, Lord, I give my life to you. And Lord, I, I trust you. I worship you. You come in and you repent of your sins. You give place to God. You give authority to God in your life. I'm going to tell you, the whole. I, I, I appreciated this morning so much. I appreciated. Now, I know Brother Robinette took some time at the end, and I, I know we were standing for a little bit, but he was teaching us in that process. I appreciate the simplicity of how he was expressing to be ready to receive the Lord. Simple things. Lifting up your hands to the Lord. Lifting up your head to the Lord. Speaking out to the Lord, praising and magnifying God. The Bible says everywhere they received the Holy Ghost, they were praising and magnifying God. You're not going to get the Holy Ghost if you come in with a down face. You're not willing to open your mouth and not willing to worship. The simplest, folks, it's not complicated. When you give God your heart and say, God, I repent of all my sins. I'm sorry. I think sometimes we, we make it complicated like it's some difficult mathematical formula and we got to study to pass the test and we got to figure all this out. No, I'm telling you, it's simple. Just give your life to the Lord. God will take care of it in your life. What complicates it is when we're trying to work out the things of God and hold on to the silver and the gold. Try, no, I'm giving God total authority in all of my life. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for your word.